So to me, the three keys when going in and, and making a purchase, and I think it's a quote by Vivian Westwood, mm-hmm. is to buy less, choose well, and make it last. Welcome to Fashion Cast, the fashion industry's premier podcast where we explore all things fashion, from designers and the latest styles to sustainability and breaking fashion news, we keep you informed. Now, enjoy the show with your hosts, Michael Gloucester and me, Christine Tuck-Tuck. We are in Detroit's Eastern Market today, broadcasting on-site from Orleans & Winder, a high-end fashion boutique opened by our guest in 2015. She's a well-known fashion merchandiser and curator and often travels the world in hopes of buying the latest in fashion design. Several of the designers her store currently offers include Uma Wang, Amy Gunn, Shana Mote, and The Last Conspiracy. She's not only the CEO of her own thriving fashion business, she's also a longtime advocate of slow fashion and incorporating sustainability into the industry at every level. When she's not playing fashion entrepreneur, she can be found attending swim meets to support her son. And she also converts her store into a yoga studio and teaches class twice a week. Our guest is one busy lady, Erin Wetzel. Welcome to Fashion Cast. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Thank you for having us here today. <laughs> it's such a pleasure, and thank you for coming into my space. We just this love is your very store. Very special. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Beautiful. Correct our yoga piece because it's really quality. It's totally that, fine, that, right? and actually, it's sort of like underground right now, Pilates, because oh, that was well, yeah, that was what I did for many years, and it's kind of just a invitation to my group of girlfriends who were like, let me know if you're ever going to teach again. So yes, we do convert the store a couple of nights a week into a little Pilates That's studio. That's cool. So you <laughs> used to do, you were a Pilates instructor? I was a Pilates instructor for many years, yes. Oh, yep. So how did you get into the business of fashion? Oh my goodness. So it's always a long roundabout story. Long story. Good. I, I want to hear it. Yeah, I never ever would have considered being a part of a boutique or, or any of that um, many years ago. If you would have asked me, I would if I would have ended up here in Detroit, I I would have said, "Are you kidding me?" Um, I went to theater school, and um, you know, I think that so many of those creative things kind of tie together. So, theater, costume, fashion, dance—you know—I've always been really immersed in all of those elements, all the arts, right, right, and fashion having been something that. Even as a little girl, I was very interested in. I remember one Christmas asking for a dress form because I like to sew my own pieces and, and things like that. So, you know, it's, I've always dabbled in it, uh, but never really taken it that seriously until I lived in France for a time. And this was after high school. I took some time off before I went to college and went and lived and immersed myself there. I was in Paris for most of that time. And that was when I really was opened up to quality over quantity and how French women would buy just a couple of key pieces per season. And they were always really high quality, really wonderful fabrics and started to explore a few designers there that I was really drawn to. And they practiced something that I really um, didn't know much about at the time, but it's, it's very much about slow fashion and um, small batch production or handmade and using old world techniques and really keeping those things alive. So that stuck with me and I kind of put that in my back pocket and came back and went to college and did theater and all of that and had a child and 
met my partner and we moved to Detroit nine years ago and we've been here living in Eastern Market in a loft here for nine years. And about five years ago, we decided we wanted to do something that melded all of our loves and just really literally, it was on a car drive from my parents in Traverse City on New Year's Day. We were coming home and we were like, what could we, what could we do? What could we do? We're like, why don't we open a store? And we just kind of like, well, yeah, yeah, right. You know, and it just simmered and kind of like started to grow. And then we were thinking about all these designers and how in Europe they're, you know, really well known, but in the States they're not so well known and how my partner who has a, a, another job as well, how he loves industrial design. And, you know, we, we, our aesthetics really meld very well with me doing the fashion and him doing other things aesthetically, you know, within the store, like, you know, the tables and, you know, some of the decor and things like that. We pulled it all together and decided to open Orleans and Winder. So how do you end up in Detroit though? So you grew up in a small town and for those who don't know, Grass Lake and it's near Jackson. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then you went to University of Michigan, which is, Ann Arbor is its own culture. You know, its own city, its own culture. It's a great place to, yeah. to not only go to school, but to live and work. Yeah. And then you end up in, in nine years ago, you know, Detroit was not on the path it is now. That's for sure. So, you know, it's on a skyrocketing path in terms of growth and development. And there's a lot of advantages and disadvantages to that. But other than than that, how did you end up in, in Detroit? And then Eastern Market specifically... Because I think designers need to know, designers, even though you're, you're a curator and a fashion merchandiser, you're, you're immersed in the designer world. So you're making decisions about this. And so from a designer standpoint, they still may want or be interested in where is their collection going to end up and why would it be in that particular element? I'll answer the first part of that question. We moved here... Uh, well, it's another sort of romantic story. My partner and I, we were just kind of exploring. I know. We, we, I'm, I'm so dramatic. It's like my whole like through line of my life. But um, we wanted to just start exploring cities, and you know, we we were hearing really intriguing things about Detroit. So, I mean, we grew up coming here as kids, and we didn't live here, but we certainly came and visited and went to concerts and things like that. Well, we came to a Patti Smith concert at St. Andrews one uh -huh. weekend many moons ago, and fell in love with the energy of the city and the vibe of the city and how raw it was and how gritty and yet how genuine it was. There was a lot of beauty in that to us, obviously. I mean, our aesthetic is fully wabi-sabi. We love <laughs> that imperfection, but there's such a beauty in that. So then we started looking at spaces to live and found one. Um, so, so yeah, we were very drawn to it. And the second part of that question is designers. My designers, I, I come from, you know, very niche. And all of us who curate boutiques have our niche um, style or aesthetic that we're drawn to. And the designers that I work with are fascinated with Detroit. A lot of them are European. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them, like many, Italy, uh, France. I even have uh, a Lee Brennan. He's Australian. They all look at it from afar and are really just rooting for it. Um, I think they kind of get that new energy and that's exciting for them. I have a new designer coming on board this fall winter, Aganovich, and they're very avant-garde, very creative designers and they were so excited about being in a store in Detroit, mm -hmm. you know. So that excites me 
that they are, you know, so jazzed about having a presence here and rooting for it. So, I mean, we were talking about this earlier about the designer's point of view, because normally on the show and the objective of the show is to give the designers a platform, you know, for their collection and for their background. And this this week, (laughs) you're the first of two, quote-unquote, non-designer podcasts that we're going to be doing. But I think it's important from the designer's standpoint to say, okay, here's someone that's going to, you know, buy my collection. You know, what what are the kind of things that that person who's actually buying my collection thinking about versus just if I'm a designer, am I just creating whatever I can because that's my vision or am I trying to create for the market too? I think the more authentic the designer is to their own true uh, vision, the better they're going to do. I'm drawn to people who have a certain design aesthetic, you know? So I think the designer absolutely is thinking about where their product is going because we all have a brand, right? So they have a brand they sort of need to protect, you know, and nurture. That builds trust, with their community. I have a store that I've grown to build my customer trust. So they trust who I bring in, that it's going to be high quality, that it's going to be made in a certain way, you know, that the designer will have a certain uh, vibe or, about them. So, um, yeah, I think that's always at the forefront of what a designer should think. You know, does it match me? Does it really hold true and feel good to me? To so be there? are you doing a lot of your, a lot of the sales out of this particular location is this or from this from your business are they online you know it's a mix and it's a really interesting like ebb and flow you know for me does it depend on what the season the designer the absolutely yeah i'd have to say like when i present my new season online my online sales are are much larger and then they kind of go down a little bit. And then I have my my foot traffic coming through and my regular client base mm-hmm. coming through. And then my point of sale raises. So it's this constant sort of, but I do feel like it's necessary to have both. We had these visions of like grandeur and, and wanting to be like super artsy and like have by appointment only in our loft <laughs> space when we first started. And we found out very quickly that was not going to happen. And so we actually said, okay, we, we need a brick and mortar. It's yeah. it's really necessary to to have that as um, as a store obviously because especially when you're you're offering high-end product people are not going to really want to invest unless they know the designer well in a piece that's very pricey unless they try it on mm-hmm. touch it feel it yeah that's yeah. why it's important to have a brick and mortar location because you want to try on the clothing yep yeah. yeah and i've come to love it because there's no better way to get to know your your customer and i many of my customers have become actually good friends so it's quite special to have a boutique and I'm mm. glad that things are sort of like changing a little bit where boutiques are a little more, more popular than, mm. you know, like the strip mall situation because it's more personalized. More personalized. See, all, all of this information to me is so critical for a designer because so many of the designers, and you've seen this a million times where they're trying to do both. They're trying to design and sell, mm-hmm. you know, and in this case, you're essentially saying, just go design and then find some great merchandisers that own mm-hmm. their own stores and then, you know, get your 
your particular collection out that way. Because what you're saying is so sophisticated from a business standpoint. And a, a lot of the designers that we know and that we've met, and it's like a lot of different industries, they're just not business people. Mm-hmm. It's know? so true. I mean, we're all so creative. You know, you have to like engage that left brain <laughs> a, a lot more. And you learn. There are so many learning curves. I'm still learning. But as if I if I were to look at it from an outside perspective for the designer, I'd say what I told you first, you know, stay true to yourself, but then also have a good team. If you can afford to have at least two really good people who can think at that level for you so that you can focus on the creative aspect, do it. You know, it's it just and it's so true. Having the people around you that do things better than you do is so great. And so key. So do you have designers that will call you and say, I like what you're doing. I like, you know, the the image that you're presenting with regard to the clone. Would you consider my particular collection? All the time. All the time. It's it's constant. Is that what you expected when you started? Yeah, in a way. Oh, you did? Not okay. as much as I've gotten, though. And it's really, as a business owner, it's kind of... I want to be a platform for everybody doing really beautiful things, but I just can't. I have to be true to my brand. So that's been a really challenging thing for me is saying, no, sorry, you know, and I have a budget, frankly, you know, I can't bring everybody on board. I just can't do it. If that's, if they match my vision for my store and what we're about, sometimes it's challenging to me when I get someone soliciting me who hasn't even looked at my store and gets the the vibe and the energy going on and they think that you know that's to me that's just not being thoughtful are you looking for emerging designers established designers what's your definition of emerging you know I think I mentioned in some of my show notes that there was a one of these designers that was just recently on a podcast I'm like a podcast junkie so I'm listening to podcasts all the time a lot of fashion ones and you know she said you know, the question was, well, you've been doing this for seven years, taking your design and collection, all these shows and trying to, are you an emerging designer? And she says, I think I still am. And it's seven years into it. Hmm. I mean, so at what, who are you collaborating with in terms of designers? Or you don't care. You don't care if they're right out of school or if they're really established. You're just looking to fit your particular vision. You know, I work with a, a little of both. And going into business, you actually need a little bit of security. So going with a few, at least a few established designers, knowing your market is is really important. Um, those to me were greedy. These are people that have been around a long time. I mean, greedy is uh, leather goods and boots and bags, and they've been around since, you know, 1860, if we're being honest, but they have a huge cult following in Europe and here as well. So I knew that I would have a customer base straight away if I carried Guidi, which I love. Guidi is hands down one of my favorite lines. And can they deny you too? Can they deny some of the stories? Absolutely. Can they say, no, we don't want to. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it would be, yeah, in their best interest to say that. So it's no. quite, in, in a way, it's somewhat of an honor to, to have Certainly, that Certainly. I feel incredibly honored with, with most, almost everybody that, you know, is allowing me to be a platform for them. Like Marc Lebihan in, in France, he's just this lovely spirit, and he's also very established, but he... You know, yeah, he's not in, in a whole lot of stores in the U.S. So they are established designers who are new here. Twice a year, there's a, a couple of racks over there of Vincetta Studios, and she's originally from here, 
now designs and lives in Brooklyn. So Deanna comes in each season and we do a trunk show with her and it's a lot of fun. And she ends up leaving pieces here with me because she's now establishing a client base in Detroit. So yeah, but she's emerging and it's this really lovely mix. So it's nice. You're not just working with European designers. You're also working with right. local. Like as, yes. Uh, yeah. Aki Chocolate. Aki, he's, yes. Yeah, he's from Detroit. So how did you, how did that collaboration so start? So Aki is, um, is brilliant. Um, he's a rock star in his own right. Uh-huh. And <laughs> obviously his background is shoe design. We have a, just a good, solid, like a, a good friendship and a respect for what each other is doing. And he approached me with this idea because he travels in Florence and works all summer, you know, and knows so many different artisans who are doing things like in these beautiful ways, like by hand and weaving and, you know, creating these shoes. And I really, it was a simple question. I said, Aki, I need some sandals that are really beautifully made. You know, I I had a real hard time finding just a really simple, sleek design. He's like, well, I know someone who could make them for us. (laughs) And I'm like, well, let's do it. And so that's kind of how it was born. And, uh, he has this monastery um, in Florence that makes these gorgeous sleek sandals, which I can show you later. And that snowballed. And we're like, we could do so many cool like accessory collaborations, he and I. So that's what we're doing now. Uh, we're, we have bags that we're doing. Uh, we have a sneaker that's going to be here in like late September. And so we're just going to kind of keep keep rolling with it. So that. again, that's don't you think that's an important point for the designer to know that you know, there's this real close collaboration with the merchandiser, the curator. It's not so distant. That, that's what, for those who don't know, you know, Aki Choklat is, he's the chair of fashion design and accessories at the Creative Center for Creative the, Studies, yeah. Yeah, right yeah. here in Detroit. Yeah, so. which is a fairly new program that is now just like gone berserko. It's amazing. Mm. Like the talent coming out of there is so cool to see. Yeah. So he's, well, he's yeah, I think that was a big fish for them to catch. <laughs> yeah, you know? he came from London, I believe. He did. Yeah. He's uh, he's Finnish. He's, he's from Finnish. Finland originally, mm-hmm. and um, lives most like part time in Italy. You know, that's where he in Florence and uh, travels all over. And but I have a feeling you didn't meet Aki down here at the coffee shop. Right? <laughs> no, <laughs> was Aki probably doesn't remember this, but I remember the first time I met him, and that was his first trip to Detroit. He, um, a friend of mine, Ellie, brought him up to my, my old store space during an event that we were having, and it was kind of crazy. Our old space was really big, and it was crazy that night, and uh, I was like in a bazillion different places, and uh, I remember meeting him, and I remember thinking, he's so distinguished, and he was kind of quiet, you know, and later on, I got to know Aki, and he's just he's the funniest, quiet, coolest yeah. man, um, yeah. but that was my first meeting with him, and then we would see each other at different fashion functions and things like that, and got to know each other more. So again, Another great point because it's all about networking. And Aki, as Christine's oh, yeah. mentioned umpteen times, this guy's connected. I mean, he flies into Detroit. He's only here for, I don't know how many, three years now or something. Oh, yeah. And like he's like pulling all the levers. It's yeah. like, wait a minute. His energy is just so yeah. beautiful. It's, he's so, and I think that's true. When you're networking, you know, I used to get so caught up in that word, you know, because I'm. I'm I'm an introvert extrovert. Like I can put it on if I need to. That's what that's why acting spoke to me. You know, oh. <laughs> but I'm really pretty like, introverted. You know, so I'm the same way. That's funny. Yeah, that and is so funny. It's true though. But same so way. networking, I would just go, oh my god. No, no. Yeah. But I've come to realize just going and being yourself and not like expecting anything and just making like like meeting people and t- talking with them like we're talking. 
that's networking. You know, you don't have to necessarily exchange a business yeah. card. It's about really creating a human connection. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that have been a part of my world. You well, know? every time we turn around, we're looking at Michigan Fashion Week. They've got a summit coming up in September. And we're like, oh, it's Aki Choco. <laughs> yeah, he's you involved know? in it. He's totally yeah. involved. Yeah. And then, yes. you know, and we turn this, turn the other corner, it's Aki Choco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's I so, actually, yeah, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, go yeah, ahead. back to the topic of the the accessories that he's making. You said he makes them, makes them in a monastery in in Florence. Yes, this the particular but sandal. Just the sandal, it's, okay, not yep. the handbags and all that. Right, so everything in is Florida. made with different artisans. Oh, and this I particular oh. um, factory is housed in a monastery. Yeah, yeah. And the the artisans, you know, create the sandals. So then the market bag was created by a whole different woman. Oh. So he knows and has made connections with all these mm. different people that know how to create beautiful But things. it's all handmade? Yeah. That's why the, yeah, the quality. Yeah. I so from a designer standpoint, if, if he's the designer, because we've met designers and they just don't want to give up anything, right? So do you think he would share information with another designer? Like, hey, I'm having this stuff made over there, you know? It's possible, yeah. yeah. I mean, you'd have to ask him. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, and I think on that, on the monastery, I think when we met with Aki, he mentioned that, um, like, they could only make so many pairs a day. It was like this right. really low amount. Really slow fashion. <laughs> yeah, well, really yeah. Slow fashion. well, they're all handmade. Yeah. And they, and There's they, only so many people doing mm-hmm. it who, who mm-hmm. are skilled enough to do Right, it. and they just yeah. told him, we can only make that, that's it. Yep. You know, yep. take it or leave it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is totally my jam, because I love that. I'm all about mm-hmm. a small batch. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 I love that. So, I mean, in terms, I mean, we're we're kind of making the pivot here towards the slow fashion and the sustainability, and mm-hmm. so these topics, especially sustainability, has been talked about within the industry for for at least a decade. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. in terms of like Stella McCartney and her line, and she's obviously the leading person within the in, within the industry. But what does sustainability, that word, it just seems to me it's very confusing for a lot of folks. Um, and we, we went back and forth just about recyclability mm-hmm. and upcycling and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and green fashion. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the question is, I mean, at the end of the day, what, what does it really mean to you in terms of? It is confusing. Um, there are a lot of things that sort of can be housed under that umbrella of sustainability. And I think it's become such a big buzzword. I mean, I break it down to, you know, a a few different headers, if you will. So when we're talking about what I do, um, slow fashion, it's about considering the holistic life cycle of the piece of clothing. And that's from the fabric that you're using to how it's produced to if it can be recycled you know you you're thinking about the longevity of the piece you're thinking about how long it can be used you know so you're really it's very considerate um even in how it's produced i mean you're is it done in a very small factory is it done on a, in a sweatshop you know because mm-hmm. that's what you want to avoid you know in, in many cases i mean my dream garment would be one that you could bury in the earth and it would just disintegrate oh, you know wow. i mean it's like that's yeah. that's kind of like where i think we need to go yes yes ethical fashion which is also under this sort of umbrella um is how how are people treated you know is are these people getting a fair wage are they living are they working in in ideal conditions you know and so that's another 
thing to think about when you're buying. Most of us don't go into a store and, and think about all of this stuff, though. So it's really important to, to, to talk with the boutique owner if it's something that concerns you, which it should, frankly. I mean, I think we really need to move in this direction. So sustainability, more or less, to me, means a garment that is made in a, a, a non-mass-produced way hopefully with organic or moving toward an organic fabric or material. Um, and that can be repurposed easily in any which way, you know, that person decides. Small batch is very important to me because when you start mass producing things, you, that's where you get a ton of waste mm-hmm. and unnecessary production that ends up basically in a landfill. Yeah, what's, what's interesting to me is that the industry... There, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of leadership to say, here's the definition. And it's the same thing Christine knows in terms of skincare because she has a background in the skincare and so forth. When they say natural in terms of skincare, you know, what does that mean? Right. You know? Yeah. And so now you get over here. And, so, and my fear is on the fashion side because it's such a hot topic and people are kind of racing towards this green fashion to, to just put it out or to print that it is with no definition of what it is. And then there's no leadership to say, this is the definition, when it's the same thing in the skincare, what's Mm -hmm. so controversial. And there won't be, because (laughs) you have to be a conscious consumer. It's like being proactive with your health, you know? You have to sometimes just, you know, figure out how you need to take care of you, because you can't trust all of the information coming at you. And to me, it's it's like a, a conversation with a friend of mine, it really came down to three things for me, sustainability. So to me, the three keys when going in and, and making a purchase, and I think it's a quote by Vivian Westwood, mm-hmm. is to buy less, choose well, and make it last. Which is, um, if we all did that, we would reduce the amount of waste, you know? In, but yeah. it's shocking, because I think our learning curve has been straight up in terms of fashion and not really understanding that, wow, there's a problem. I mean, it's a problem to the point where, you know, if you're taking old clothing to the Salvation Army, most people don't real, and I didn't realize, 85% of those clothes are still dumped. Mm-hmm. And which, crazy. which reminds me of this article that I just read recently um, for Zara, the company, the clothing company, mm-hmm. how they have a five-year plan in regards to su- sustainability. And it's a, it's a big goal they're planning to achieve. But do you think, wh- what do you think of the, f- the future of fashion and sustainability? Do you think that everybody, all these companies will follow suit? Or is it a fad? <laughs> or is it a fad? Yeah, I think that they're saving face. Um, I'd like to see yeah, yeah, yeah. if that if that really does happen. That's a yes. really good point. Very good. Point. Well, I mean, with a company like like the Z company, the big box <laughs> Z, who is the the father of fast fashion, really H and M and Zara, really were the first to produce at that level. Well, there's there are others. It's not just them, but um, yeah. When when sustainability, which I'm so thankful, sustainability and. Um, and the uh, awareness of the pollution that fashion creates has come into the forefront, they're going to have to do something to change their companies because, you know, hopefully the consumer, and I always say that you vote with your dollar, you know, like don't buy from them, don't buy from them. You know, that's the first step. (laughs) Their sales will go down. They'll have to reinvent, you know, they can, they can reinvent, 
you know, in, in a beautiful way. It's not That's like it's, true. you know, they, they, they're fully capable of creating a much more um, s- supportive, sustainable way, of, you know. Yeah, if you buy a $7 t-shirt, then something's wrong. Something's, something's <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Something's really so, wrong. Well, there was the story about the, the women in the Turkish factory that were sewing, um, did you hear about this? They worked for Zara in a, a sweatshop. And they were sewing labels into the clothing pieces that they were sewing, saying with little notes that said, like, I haven't been paid in six months, oh, please help. Oh, and they goodness. were showing up in the stores and hadn't been noticed. And people were buying these pieces and finding this. And, you know, that's how they were getting the word out. So it's, it's pretty so, terrible. So this that's is why terrible. they have a five-year plan, like, because like they're forced insane. to have it's a five-year plan. And then yeah. HM has yeah. a foundation that they're involved with a lot of groups now that are concerned about, you know, sustainability and fast fashion or going to get fast fashion. So, yeah, they're trying to do something. They certainly have the money to do it. Mm, exactly, yeah. And they can, and, and I hope that they do. How many how many fashion shows are you going to each year? I only go to, to two. Um, and so when I go to, and I go to Paris, are you invited uh, to some of these? Some, some, yeah. Okay. Um, so like runway shows, yes, you, you need to be invited. You're either a buyer or press or, you know, a blog. Yeah. Yeah. Or conne- yeah, <laughs> connected somehow in that, in, in that way. Um, I have to say the designers that I go to, um, they, they so eschew trends that I've never seen, and they're so European, which is a totally different scene as far as like Instagram, and you know, they they just don't put the, the, the value yeah. in it that, that we do in the states, you know. So it's more like photographers and things like that coming into a show. But the designers, um, I you know, you you go and you have appointment, you know, and you go and you meet with them and you see their collection for the season, and I. Because I don't believe there have to be like twenty fashion weeks, you know. <laughs> I think two is fine. And I figured real, out really early on, I can make my own rules as as a boutique owner. I don't have to go to all of that. I can go to two, buy those seasons, and pepper it in with other things, and not have to adhere to like pre resort, pre spring, pre fall. You know it. It's so much on the designers following the fashion calendar. I've, I've spoken with several designers who are like, oh my gosh, like to just get rid of it, you know, maybe do a couple of seasons just to distinguish between spring, summer, fall, winter. Um, and then the rest just, you know, like being able to produce on a small level in between those, you know, like what someone might need to, to, to restock or whatever, That'd be enough. It's just enough. We're it's making very too costly much. too. It's very. It's just very inefficient these days to yeah. be designing something that's not going to hit the stores for nine months because you know the whole trend now. I think with some of these fashion shows is to show the fashion and then have it for sale. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing the technology go that way too. Right. Yeah. But, but I'm hearing from you that that's really not happening in Europe. There's mm-hmm. still more classical. Mm-hmm. At least in the circles that I roll in there, you know, certainly it's more... Are they going to be left out, though, at some point? I mean, um, that's, there's a concern there, too. I don't believe so, because I don't think some of them really even care. Yeah. They're Plus so they're, established. They price, they price their... Uh, 
price it really high. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, and so at the end of the day, it balances out. Yeah, they don't. They don't because the quality is higher. Because the quality is better. Exactly. That's why the. That's why they higher. can mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So here we are. We're in Eastern Market, small area in Detroit, high end fashion. Who's your customer? Are they coming from all over? Do they work here? Do they live here? Yeah. Do they live and work outside? How do they know about you? A lot of advertising. A lot initially. And then what happens is my favorite form of advertising, and that's word of mouth. So we've been a store for five years. A lot of our people have come from um, very artistic backgrounds. You know, like they can they can afford to dress in a little more, not a business suit kind of way. Like they can be a little more creative with their wardrobe, you know? (laughs) So they can, they work in like art museums or, you know, I have a lot of, you know, art gallery owners coming to shop here and uh, interior designers, photographers, you know, people in that, with a toe in that world. And I noticed you have a a, um, art studio next door. Right. So you get a lot of foot traffic from then too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and so for me, yeah, it's been like a lot of people sure north of the city, but I do have a really solid client base here in the city that has been, it's, it, you know, I'm not going to lie. It takes time to grow that and to, to build that trust with people. Yeah. And well, given the growth in the city, in terms of what's going on, in terms of development, you probably, I mean, and we're talking about residential stuff too that's going right, on. Right, yeah. That there's just going to be more and more people here. Yeah. But in, so when you say advertising, again, from a designer's, and I'm not a designer, but I'm, I'm just trying to think for a moment what, what that means to a designer. You know, what is she talking about? Are you talking about Instagram? Or you talk, what's, sure. what's the cost related to yeah, some of this? Yeah, um, it's huge, actually. But so it's a big part of your budget? It's, it's, certainly, it's certainly a chunk of your budget, especially in the beginning when you're getting the word out. Numbers-wise, I can't leave. I can't even tell you at this point, you know, what it would cost. But you have a great someone. Instagram. Well, I love Instagram, and I love all of those platforms for that reason. It's free, and it's, it's amazing to connect with people in that way. I have to say Google is great. Google AdWords, you know, and maybe I actually had someone who was doing that for me, which yes, is say, it's someone a curating. Yes, all yeah, that. yeah. It's it's a it's a thing. <laughs> and it's one of those things that's really hard for me to wrap my head around. So I have a friend who's really good at it and she just dives in and knows how to like create, you know, the the ads. And, and all of that for seasons and we'll have to get like a that. referral so, yeah she'd be an awesome person to have on your on your podcast actually I'll give you her info after this part of the show we actually want to show some items that are in her boutique here in Eastern Market in Detroit Christine you had some questions to start off or some of the pieces yeah I would love to see some of the pieces you have absolutely uh, especially yeah. uh, from Aki Chocolate. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> because this, he's from here in Detroit. Exactly, yes. And these are very special and very new to OW. I'll start off with this amazing artisan market bag, which Aki, literally, he was in Florence, and he sent me a picture, and he said, I had a woman. I gave her this this um, waxed cotton and said, what can you do with this? And she actually does all of the weaving and knotting for Prada and Christian Dior. So he took this to her. (laughs) She produced these. He sent me a picture and I said, yes, please. They're so cool. Very structural. They almost look like leather. Oh, and it's not leather? Yeah, it's not leather. Oh, it's it like leather. a it's a waxed cotton um yeah, I can feel material. That's really cool. And so yeah, she whipped each one of these, I think, that, so not touched by a machine at all. Wow. Um, that's she all did them all by hand. Wow. 
That's so we've so got nice. those and we've got that in orange as well. And we, that's our last one in black. So we've sold wow. through all of them except for that one. <laughs> and then uh, we have a couple of orange ones left too. Oh, so, they're orange and black. Yeah. Very yep. nice. And so that's, that's one thing. And um, like I said, I wish I had the sneakers in to show you too right now, but I don't, those are going to be amazing. Uh, but beautiful. the sandals, and I, you've already heard the the backstory behind that. Yes, these are the sandals Maybe which no. Christine owns. Actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and they're so beautiful. And I have had equal it's parts so men and women buy these uh, because we have men sizing as well, and both love them. In fact, Christina, who runs a gallery, and her husband bo- both own a pair. And they, they're always, like, twinning. Yeah, I, I can't wait to wear mine. You know, I didn't realize <laughs> it had so his good. name They're right comfortable. His yeah. name, yeah. And so Aki's yeah. name now, the next round of tennis shoes will have our collaborative um, stamp. So that's what, moving forward, we are going to be doing. So. You're saying it's not going to say just his name? Not just his name. It'll What's say, it going to say? It'll say AC and OW. That's uh-huh. right. I yeah. did see that on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. So, I mean, so. while we're holding this, and we'll give you a chance at the end, too. So if someone says, gosh, I want to look at that, I want to see that, where can they go right now? Yeah, it's not online yet. So, or where can they find your stuff on? They can, I would say the best, um, the best way to find us is to, to just Google Orleans and Winder mm-hmm. and give me a call, you know, here at the store. Um, I'm happy to help anyone. We're here, you know, 11 to 6 almost every day. And... Instagram is a good way to keep up with new product that we have coming in, you know, until we do our photography and get it online, you know, which kind of, there's a little lag time between getting the product and having it up online to purchase. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Instagram is a way that I promote all of our new things and that's, our handle is at Orleans and Winder. So you said you sold a lot of um, Aki's uh, shoes and, hand, and handbags. What, yes, what, so yeah. what else do you have as far, what are your most popular uh items yeah you-, you know so i so greedy is a huge Weedy. seller and i'm all sold out oh, <laughs> so okay. until their their line actually it'll be here in about should be here in about a week the fall winter collection I'll so thank you <laughs> i'm gonna call you christine you gotta see <laughs> yeah, their stuff is so exquisite so yeah. that's a huge one okay. really exciting for me is and jt actually my partner we started our own line just a very small collection of interchangeable pieces um, we, we kind of had this vision for creating, you know, about five pieces that you could wear every day, just super comfortable, made of really yummy fabrics. And we found two women to work on them. So we literally have two women creating our entire line from patterns to sewing. And so we designed, she creates a pattern, so we pass it on to someone to sew. And, um, so right behind us are, is a sampling. And the coolest thing is when they sell out, I'll sneak around here real quick. When they sell out, we kind of just go, okay, we need to make a few more. So it's super, super small batch. Are you wearing it now? Super local. You know, I'm not. Oh, sadly. <laughs> um, I almost wore this today, and I probably should have because I, I just didn't. But, yeah, this actually is pretty much my uniform. They look very comfortable. Yeah, they're super comfortable. So our dress, it's just a really basic, it's like a tank dress, uh, but it's a heavier fabric, so it falls really beautifully. I can see. Um, tell it's heavy. Obviously all black because uh, that's where we started out because we're kind of known for carrying a lot of black clothing. And because black is a, is a great solid Classic. Base. Classic, color. neutral. I wear black all yes, the time. Yeah. And these are investment pieces. Like you buy one, it's going to last you a super long time. Oh, yeah, and you definitely. can wear it all the time. The cardigan's another oh, really lovely seller. This is a Cupro Tencel. It's like a 
a really lightweight kind of cotton bamboo blend. And the sleeves are extra long because we love something a little quirky, you know, to, to, so you ruche them up and it looks really just beautiful and dramatic on. This could be worn over anything. And, you know, like a jogger with a slight drop in, in the, the crotch, which is like very, it's sort of a streetwear kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It's also very comfortable. So this fabric and actually, no, the cardigan and the t-shirt, which is another really basic, like, uh, unisex, fully unisex. And we actually consider all of these to be unisex because in like the fashion circles that we kind of, you know, roll in, um, this would be like, I a guy would totally full on wear this cardigan oh, yeah. over like a jean or whatever, uh-huh. or, you, know, you know, the job. I love it. Sure. I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really very cool different. Look. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, that's the sampling. We've got a jumpsuit. Um, our tank will probably discontinue for a while because summer's almost over. Um, and we have some other things that we'll be adding to the mix um, for fall winter. So, so stay tuned. Yeah, with all of that. <laughs> I noticed uh, the kimonos over there. The, are those really popular now too? They are actually leaving us. They're leaving in, in this week. Um, oh. Yes, Lily was only here for a couple of months doing oh. sort of an in-store pop-up, um, and she's a good friend of mine. And so she was needing a base for the summer months and they're beautiful. They're um, so beautiful. I yeah. love the colors. Yeah, but she'll be sort of doing she does pop-ups all over the country and so she'll That's be cool. she'll be, you know, kind of taking them off for a while and yeah, doing her own That's thing. That's interesting. So she so you're you're allowing pop-ups in your uh, not, space. Not necessarily everyone. You know, but, but have, I mean, that's high quality. It's I mean, um, from here. So Lily's robes are made by a women's cooperative in India, and they're recycled saris. And so she works directly with these women, and they sew the pieces, and then she brings them back here, and that's her niche. So she does mainly like jackets, robes, that sort of thing right now. You know, um, but yeah, her ethos is beautiful, and um, she actually was one of my first employees at the old space at OW, and. So I know her really well. I was curious to know. I didn't ask. Where did the name come from? Orleans and Winder. Good question. It is the crossroads where we live in the market. So we our building is at the crossroads of Orleans and Winder, right in Eastern Market. And we wanted a good Detroit name without it screaming Detroit. And so we it just kind of stuck. And we thought, well, the idea was kind of born here. You know, everything grew and expanded here. And we moved here. And... Hence the name. What a so, cool story. Yeah. yeah. I Aww, love that. It's yeah. very comfortable. It's very, you know, authentic. Yeah, it's you know? authentic. Because mm-hmm. that's a hard thing. <laughs> to yeah, come up with a name. Coming up with a name. It's so hard. It was, it's really challenging. It and is. It's, com- it's a commitment. It's your first impression. You right, know? Yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think one of the last things that I wanted to ask was, you mentioned earlier you were collaborating with some of the um, art institutes, like with Cranbrook or... Are you allowing the students to, to see what you're doing or you're collaborating? Or how is that working? So our, our collaboration um, in the beginning with Cranbrook, um, which we haven't done in a few seasons, but it was so beautiful. Um, there was a, the head of the metals department, Ira Seckenberg, and her students would come in every, um, it was for Detroit Design Week. And they would do an installation or a performance art piece in our store as part of the programming. And then that piece would live with us for a while as an installation, an art piece that people could come and visit. 
And we did that for several seasons. Um, I've also given sort of retail space to her students, you know, so they could get a sense of what the retail world was going to be like if they decided to go into jewelry making, you know, instead of like sculpture um, and, and that sort of thing. Um, so that's kind of like relatively ongoing with them. CCS, we collaborate with a lot. Um, we collaborate with the students who have done um, every, actually every year they do, there's a class that does uh, fashion lookbooks. It's fashion photography. So they come in and they, they pull pieces and they create a whole lookbook for different stores in Detroit. And they've done one, uh, one for us. Gosh, it's been, I think we've had three or four done. Um, yeah, I love right that. I love that whole, you know, Again, the community piece of it, yeah. you know, where we're assisting the community. Because I'm not, I just, I'm hoping it's happening in New York and in Chicago and Dallas and Los Angeles, but I don't know that it is. You know. It's so cool. That's the beauty of Detroit being where it's at right now. You know, there's a lot of creative energy and it's still kind of small and close knit. You know, we kind of, um, I, know each other all like you know we used to like joke around because you would go to an art opening and you'd see everyone you knew and then you'd go to the next art opening and see the same people (laughs) now that's changing it's Uh changing and it's really cool to see that but i love collaborating with students anyway because they're so like excited and fresh and yeah they're passionate and they come in at things with a whole different perspective they're super respectful they're i mean i've had nothing but wonderful experiences with with both cranbrook and ccs the students are amazing so it should happen more and more you know we got to use that good creative energy well, yeah. Aaron Witzel, this has been fantastic. We've had a <laughs> Thank great you time. so much. And any last parting words of wisdom to designers or to um, merchandisers or curators? or Honestly, the most um, important thing, whether you're a store or a designer or a, a, just an online brand, is be authentic. You know, if you want to stand out, don't fight to stand up. Be yourself, and that's what's going to come across. It's so true. You know, what, if you start trying to do everything and, and, and kind of sacrifice that, it shows, you know. So really just remain true to why you're doing what you're doing. Great advice. I agree with Great that. Advice. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you both so much. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Thank you for this. having us here today. This has been such a pleasure. Now it's time for me to shop. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe. Tell a friend and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also visit us on our website at fashioncastpodcast.com. I'm Christine. And I'm Michael. Stay beautiful.